This EHIV Review Podcast is presented by DKB Med Radio. Transgender women have the highest prevalence of HIV of any cohort in this country, with most estimates suggesting that 25% of all transgender women are living with HIV, and nearly half of all black transgender women are living with HIV. But despite this incredibly high prevalence, we know that only about 30% of transgender women have ever been tested for HIV. Screening Strategies to Prevent HIV in MSM and Transgender Women. Welcome to EHIV Review. How often should MSM, that's men who have sex with men, be screened for HIV? Should HIV screening be considered a routine part of an office visit? Are transgender women more or less susceptible to acquiring HIV? These are some of the questions we're here to answer today with Dr. Robert Goldstein from Harvard Medical School and Massachusetts General Hospital. For Dr. Goldstein's disclosures and additional CME information, please go to our website, ehivreview.org, and click on the Volume 6, Issue 4 link. I'm Bob Busker, Managing Editor of EHIV Review. Dr. Goldstein, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Let's start right in with our first learning objective, which focuses on the appropriate frequency for HIV screening of men who have sex with men. So take us to the clinic, if you would, please, doctor, and start us out with a patient scenario. Absolutely. Let's talk about Tony, who's a 63-year-old man in regular primary care. He identifies as gay and had his last HIV test three years ago during a routine screening. He underwent routine testing this week, and he tested positive for HIV. Tony has been in a serial monogamous relationship and always uses condoms at the beginning of his relationships, but stops as the relationship progresses. He's not certain that his partner has ever been tested for HIV, and he doesn't know if his partner is monogamous with him. My first question is for clarification. Did Tony remain true to his pattern? And by that, I mean, did he use condoms at the start of his current relationship and then stop using them as the relationship progressed? That's correct. As he explained it to me, he used condoms at the beginning and then slowly progressed to not using condoms later on in the relationship. Tony's last HIV test was three years ago. That's not a normal frequency, is it? Well, it depends on how you define normal, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's certainly true. So let me rephrase. Do you think he should have been screened for HIV sooner than three years ago? Yes, I, I do think that he should have been screened for HIV sooner. What does the guidance say? The CDC recommends that all men who have sex with men, independent of any risk factors that they may have, be screened annually for HIV. And in this case, he had only been screened three years ago and not subsequent to that. Despite these recommendations from the CDC, though, we know that just over 30% of men who have sex with men are screened annually. And so many are in the same case as Tony. The CDC even goes beyond that one-year testing and says that high-risk individuals should be screened every three to six months and that those folks may be appropriate for pre-exposure prophylaxis for HIV prevention. This patient is 63 years old with a history of serial monogamous relationships. Should he be considered a high risk for HIV infection? Well, it depends on how you want to define high risk. Certainly by CDC criteria, he does meet some definitions for high risk. We know that nearly two-thirds of all new HIV infections in the United States are in men who have sex with men. And we also know that one in seven MSM that are living with HIV are unaware of their HIV diagnosis. 
This results in a lot of HIV transmissions. 30% of all new HIV transmissions in the United States come from the 15% of Americans that are living with HIV and unaware of their diagnosis. But he isn't in the highest risk category as defined by the CDC and other organizations. Those that are highest risk are those with multiple sexual partners of unknown HIV status, those who are people who inject drugs, or those who participate in commercial sex work. So, bottom line, what's the appropriate HIV screening frequency for men who have sex with men? Per CDC guidelines and guidelines from the United States Preventative Services Task Force, he should have undergone routine annual screening during in-office appointments, independent really of any high-risk category that he may fall into. Routine annual screening during office visits. That's what the guidance recommends. There are also some that might recommend that he have at-home self-testing, which is an effective way to screen men who have sex with men for HIV and actually may increase HIV diagnoses across social networks of those that identify as men who have sex with men. You reviewed some of the information about HIV self-testing in your newsletter issue. Refresh us, if you would, please, Dr. Goldstein. What does the evidence say? There's evidence from trials outside of the United States but importantly, we have evidence from the United States in the CDC's ESTAM trial, which showed that at-home HIV self-testing increased the frequency of HIV testing in high-risk men who have sex with men, and more new HIV infections were identified in those that were using the self-testing compared to those that were randomized to the routine clinical HIV testing that we commonly use. At-home self-testing actually increased the annual HIV testing rate for these MSM from 61.4% at the start of the study to 95.6% at the end of the study, which almost approaches that 100% target of yearly HIV testing for MSM that has been set by the CDC for many years. It's also possible that self-testing may have diagnosed Tony's partner with HIV at an earlier stage, so that's what we saw in the ESTAM trial itself. One last question about this patient, doctor. Should this man have been on PrEP? In my opinion, yes, because PrEP is recommended for those that are at increased risk for HIV, including men who have sex with men who have condomless anal intercourse with partners of unknown HIV status. Increased PrEP prescribing may help us identify those that are living with HIV who are unaware of their diagnosis because the first step of PrEP prescription is HIV testing. Thank you for bringing us this case, Doctor, and for sharing your knowledge and expertise in discussing it. Let's wrap things up now by returning to our learning objective. Describe the appropriate frequency of HIV screening of men who have sex with men. What are the key things our listeners should remember? First, all men who have sex with men in the U.S. should be screened at least annually for HIV, with those at increased risk for HIV screened more frequently, for example, every three to six months. Second, at-home self-testing may be a method to increase overall HIV testing frequency and achieve the goal of universal yearly screening for men who have sex with men. Third, self-testing has the added benefit of possibly increasing testing within broader social networks, identifying more people living with HIV who are unaware of their infection status. And finally, PrEP prescription may also increase HIV testing and identify those living with HIV through routine, high-frequency HIV screening for those who are at risk. Thank you, doctor. And we'll return with Dr. Robert Goldstein from Harvard Medical School in just a moment. COVID-19. Some people have said it's changed everything. 
But one thing that hasn't changed is our need to get timely and, most importantly, accurate information. That's why we created our COVID-19 Keeping Up with a Moving Target programs. It's a weekly webinar and podcast series hosted by Dr. Paul Awater, Clinical Director of the Division of Infectious Diseases at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. It's updated information from the front lines of COVID-19 research and practice, and it's answers from the experts to your most important questions. COVID-19, Keeping Up with a Moving Target, is CME and CE accredited and provided free of charge. For more information, go to covid19.dkbmed.com. Thank you, and please stay safe. Welcome back to our eHIV Review Podcast. We've been talking with Dr. Robert Goldstein, he's from Harvard Medical School and Mass General, about improving HIV screening of men who have sex with men. Let's turn now to our second learning objective, which is to describe the key considerations in developing strategies to prevent HIV in transgender women. So if you would, please, doctor, take us back to the clinic with another patient scenario. The second patient is Anne-Marie, who's a 29-year-old black transgender woman on PrEP with TDF-FTC, or tenofovir disaproxyl fumarate emtricitabine, with intermittent follow-up. She's been on cross-sex hormone therapy for the past six years, but has not yet gone through gender-affirming bottom surgery. She participates in commercial sex work as the receptive partner and infrequently uses condoms. She was last tested for HIV six months ago and has had intermittent adherence to PrEP since that time. A relatively young transgender woman, she's a sex worker and she's on PrEP, but her follow-up screening as well as her PrEP adherence have not been consistent. She was last tested six months ago, which immediately raises the question, how frequently should she be tested for HIV? I think she should be tested at least every three months, as those that are on PrEP should be tested every three months. Why was this patient initially put on PrEP, doctor? Is it because she's transgender? Yes. Transgender women have the highest prevalence of HIV of any cohort in this country, with most estimates suggesting that 25% of all transgender women are living with HIV, and nearly half of all black transgender women are living with HIV. Given her inconsistent condom use and her participation in commercial sex work, she is at extremely high risk for HIV infection. But despite this incredibly high prevalence and her high risk, HIV testing, the frequency is quite low, actually, in transgender women. We know that only about 30% of transgender women have ever been tested for HIV in the United States, and less than 20% of transgender women have been tested in the past year. What do we know about why transgender women have such an increased risk for HIV? It's a complicated question, but I think a lot comes down to marginalization and stigmatization of transgender women, which often results in their difficulty accessing effective HIV prevention options and also negotiating HIV prevention options with their sex partners. There's also an increased frequency of commercial sex work and sexual behaviors that expose them to HIV at a higher rate. It's important to remember that gender identity does not define sexual orientation, meaning that transgender women may have sex with men, with women, or with those that identify as non-binary. In a recent study from LA County, transgender women newly diagnosed with HIV are actually more likely to be connected to other transgender women and cisgender men who do not report MSM sexual contact. So their risk for HIV exposure came in this study from cisgender men who do not report MSM sexual contact. Overall, how effective is PrEP for transgender women? 
From the data we have, we know that PrEP is effective among transgender women who have adequate adherence to the medication. This comes from two studies in particular, the IPREX study, a study from nearly 10 years ago that looked at TDF-FTC for PrEP in around 339 transgender women, and a more recent study, the DISCOVER study, that looked at TAF-FTC for PrEP in transgender women. Because of these studies, national and international guidelines recommend PrEP for HIV prevention in all transgender women at risk for HIV. One final question about this patient, doctor. It's about estrogen and other cross-sex hormone therapies that transgender women are likely to be on. Does PrEP affect the levels of these hormones? Do the hormones affect the levels of PrEP? What does the evidence say? There is no impact seen on hormone levels in transgender women, either in estradiol levels or progesterone levels, when they're on TDF-FTC for PrEP. That's TDF-FTC PrEP. Any concerns about TAF-FTC PrEP? There are no data on the effect of TAF-FTC on estradiol levels, but given the similar pharmacology of TAF-FTC and TDF-FTC, no impact on estrogen levels is expected. Thank you, Dr. Goldstein, for bringing us this case. Let's wrap things up now by returning to our learning objective, which is to describe the key considerations in developing strategies to prevent HIV in transgender women. What are the most important things our listeners should take away from our discussion? First, transgender women are at significant risk for HIV, with 25% of all transgender women living with HIV, but very few receiving HIV screening. Second, HIV exposure risk may be clustered within cohorts of transgender women or may be from cisgender men who do not report MSM sexual contact, highlighting the importance of community-wide and culturally competent HIV prevention education targeted specifically towards transgender women. Finally, PrEP is believed to be safe and effective for HIV prevention in transgender women with no known impact on cross-sex hormone levels. Dr. Robert Goldstein from Harvard Medical School and Massachusetts General Hospital, thank you for participating in this EHIV Review podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. For EHIV Review, I'm Bob Busker. To receive CME credit for this activity, please take the post-test at ehiv.gkpmed.com. EHIV Review is supported by educational grants from Gilead Sciences Incorporated, Janssen, and Merck & Company Incorporated. The opinions and recommendations expressed by faculty and other experts whose input is included in this program are their own. This enduring material is produced for educational purposes only. EHIV Review is copyrighted with all rights reserved by DKB Med, LLC. Thank you for listening.